Welcome, everybody. For today's episode, we are going to discuss the 2021 film Raging Fire, a Cantonese film directed by the late Benny Chan. It was his final film before his untimely death, and it stars one of our favorite martial art actors, Donnie Yen. Yeah, and you were saying earlier that um, Benny Chan did the police story. Um, yeah, the, the new police story from 2004, which new also stars Nicholas Zay. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. I looked it up and I kind of forgot it, but I'm pretty sure it's Zay, who stars alongside Jackie Chan, and he also stars alongside Donnie Yen in this film. Pretty sick. Yeah, but not to be confused, something that we were already talking about, um, just, you know, between us, that it's not, this is not really uh, a martial arts film, I'd say. No, I don't know what the new police story is like. I always kind of assume if Jackie Chan's the lead, there's going to be a lot of cool stunts and martial arts involved. And I can usually assume the same for Donnie Yen, but I wonder if the new police story is similar to Raging Fire. Like, it's just kind of like a gritty cocktail. That well, features that, some pretty good action. Something that we can uh, find out on our own time. Yeah. Um, I was kind of hoping to watch uh, a martial arts film. So this was a little bit of a shock or surprise. That's what I was expecting more from, from uh, a Donnie Yen flick. Feel like Especially it, well, both leads are martial artists. Like they're, they're yeah. both trained from it. So you'd, you would expect that. Yeah, and it's not to say that there's no fight scenes or martial arts scenes. I mean, it is an action movie, but it takes a more gritty perspective approach to uh the storytelling i'd say it felt quite westernized it felt yeah. a little bit more like a jason Bourne style of film um quite heavy on the action less on the choreography which is i mean which is a style it's some some people like that the editing was quite quick what do you think about the editing yeah i definitely got that impression it was pretty quick um I think I mean nothing nothing too flashy I mean besides like explosions and whatnot but I think a lot of it really heavily a lot of where the editing really came into play was a lot of times like the the color uh um, the correct the color yeah yeah uh, that's a whole yeah the the hue of this film is quite interesting it's not actually particularly one of my favorite types of hue but it it is it's the it's the classic grit, gritty cop drama hue that they go for it almost mm -hmm. looks like they didn't white balance. It's quite orange and dark. Yeah, especially the uh, the flashback of um, I don't I don't remember how to pronounce his former protege's name. It's N G O. I want to say no, but I know it's not that. I think it's more like Go. Nago. I think it's Nago or something. Yeah, I think yeah Nago. Bongja, not bong, not to be confused with bong. It was bongja, bonga uh, for bongja, something like that. And then Donald and Nicholas. Nago or go. Yeah, I don't remember if the end was silent. Because I was trying to think of like, um, like when someone's last name's when, and but mm -hmm. that's that's Vietnamese. Um, I think his last name, his name's supposed to be Vietnamese, but it's like N Y G U E N, and it's when. Interesting mixture, by the way. I mean, we're jumping all over the place, so we should go back to the editing because even the color is a totally separate thing. True. It's like just the way of the cutting. But interesting that they had this weird mix of English and uh, in, I, I think it's just, I think it's Cantonese in it this film. Cantonese. 
yeah, it's super interesting that they they did a lot of like interesting lines in English for I couldn't really tell the reason. Um, well, the first time that happened was with um, the initial drug dealer they were trying to track down who gets killed by Nago, but he's Vietnamese and he's speaking English and then he goes to Cantonese. So weird. I thought the first time it actually the first time I heard it was when they're walk when Donnie Yen Bongzhi is walking into the uh, station. And everyone says, good morning, sir, or yes, sir. And I thought that oh, I had the dub, I, I thought yeah, I had the dub right. on, and I was very confused because yeah, no, I don't like too. watching, I don't like watching foreign movies with dubs. It's just not the right way to do it. Um, it only, it only works in anime. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But that's a cartoon. So it's different, right? So right. it just throws you off completely here. Um, but yeah, going back to the editing, I think it was, yeah, it was a lot of quick, quick paced, like eye-capturing editing, something that when I'm looking for a martial arts film, in particular, I didn't, I didn't know that this wasn't going to be a martial arts film. Again, on Me hindsight, either. I'd like to say that it's not a martial arts film, actually. It's just an action film. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, hold on, helicopter. So sorry, everybody. So like I was saying, it's, uh, it's quite like eye candy editing. A lot, it reminded me, like I was saying, of Jason Bourne, which I don't know. It's just not my favorite style of action movie anymore, which it works for older films. I think in the modern day, though, with movies like John Wick that like pride themselves as choreographed beyond belief and like made by stuntmen that this this kind of felt like a relic of the old action movie to me, the action movie that doesn't actually exist so much anymore, like a Die Hard or a Jason Bourne, things like that. Yeah, that was my takeaway. It, it felt, in a way, because, you know, the plot, it's nothing to write home about. It's it's straightforward stuff. I'm sure there's like a million movies out there like it, especially cop movies. Um, but I kind of viewed it just from, you know, the color, the general, just like the quick editing um, and the plot just kind of felt like, in a way, sort of like a love letter to Western, like gritty cop movies. That's what it kind of felt like. I, I agree. Um... That's not a bad thing. Uh, no. That's it, it works. It's it's an enjoyable film, like start to finish. You know, I think it, it picks up as it goes along. It's kind of like it's one of those movies that it it also it starts pretty and in, intensely for the most part and gets the ball rolling, but at the same time, it really doesn't pick up till the end. Yeah, I agree. It if took quite a little while to get into it. It's this isn't reinventing the wheel. This film. So if you're a fan of the old style action movies, I'd say like, you know, one showcasing a real action star in the forefront, the star of the movie, the true star, not any real complications of ensemble casting. Um, you know, again, I'm thinking Die Hard, thinking Total Recall, like these types of movies that they're just meant to be fun and have a really good time. Then this is a good movie. I kind of want to watch it again, going in, knowing that. Um, because yeah, I know Donnie Yen, I know Donnie Yen is a martial arts actor. So I, I look forward to the martial arts aspects of his scenes, even in Rogue One, he plays a sort of martial arts blind man, right? This is like, he's very good at beating the shit out of people with a stick. And yep. I, I, from what I remember from that movie, I really enjoyed the choreographed fight scenes with, uh, with Donnie Yen and him. That's that's what I'm what I'm I'm not always looking for that in um, 
a movie, but like, you know, one that has a martial arts star in it, that's kind of what I'm going in for sometimes. Yeah, well, two martial arts stars. Yeah, um, two martial arts stars. Yeah, one thing I found that was pretty interesting is Nicholas say he learned martial arts from two people. One, I can't remember the name of, no one I was familiar with. The other was Sammo Hung, mm-hmm. um, a very popular like 80s, 90s um, Cantonese actor. Did a lot of films with Jackie Chan back in the day. And he learned stunts from Jackie Chan. Like Jackie Chan taught him like stunt work. Oh, interesting. It's really cool. This guy's kind of a jack of all trades. He started as a singer, turned into an actor and martial artist. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, then going off the martial arts theme or just the action theme in general for this movie, what were some of the highlights as far as the action? And then what were some of the parts of the editing and action that you could have done without in this film? Uh, my favorite thing was um, Nago's knife fighting. Like this, this, every time, I think there's two scenes in particular where he's fighting someone just with like a knife mm-hmm. and just his movement with it is super slick. Um, I think the way that the editing works with that captures it pretty well too. What sound editing feels as like well. The sound editing, like it's like you're flowing with the knife. You're not like just at watching a static still of him just like, cutting people up or like taking people on especially that final fight with donnie Yen. that whole thing i think was really well choreographed and like the different angles they use both wide shots and close up were really like engaging that was like the best part of the whole film yeah they really they really threw it all into the into the final showdown between nago and uh bonja and it, it paid off there's some definitely great moments in that fight specifically when Nigo picks up that hammer. They have a couple mm-hmm. of wide angle shots that were really nice. That's that's honestly what I was missing the most of. There wasn't a lot of wide angle action. And something that's quite nice in, you know, Ip Men with Donnie Yen or even Enter the Fat Dragon, which I watched a couple weeks ago. Before Still need I to watch that. <laughs> it's a good movie. I really enjoyed it. It, it. Traditionally, there's a lot of wide shots cutting into a closer shot, which is not necessarily the way I think Western movies do fight scenes. Um, think of John Wick as well. It's a wide shot. It's a wide shot showing you the fight that they cut into a closer moment to show you the intimacy of that fight. But they always have that massive piece that shows you, you know, where everyone's sitting, all the martial arts aspects of it. it shows you actually the work that's put into the scene. Something that yeah. I think Jackie Chan always did the best of because you would have like a fight between him and like 20 guys, but it would be like a really wide shot that showed you all. 21 people fighting at one time right yeah absolutely and it's so fast so the thing i was missing a little bit in this movie is i guess a lot of the wide shots but there's a few of them that stood out particularly because there was a, a lack there of them and one of them was when nago picks up the hammer and he's going through the scaffolding and he takes this big swing and it looks really choreographed and very nice and i definitely i i, I did like the last fight it was very good yeah another no I, yeah, it, I, I'd call it a wide shot. I don't know what else you'd call it, really. But it's like it's zoomed out, but it's kind of at a weird angle. But probably one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is during that final fight. And um, when Bongja and Nago are fighting and Bongja, like with only his feet, um, because uh, what, Nago like stabs him or tries to stab him and he stops it with his hands. So he can't use one of his hands because he just just got a huge gash through it um 
uses the wall behind him behind the go to grab to lock him in and like his neck and like throw him down with just his legs like that was yeah, prime felt- donnie yen like action right there that was sick. yeah and absolutely. they zoomed out for that it's just like something you didn't need to do like you could have done like so many different shots and like edits like close up to make it look like that happened but i think taking it out and zooming it out and showing showing you like the full thing on display lets you know that like that wasn't that wasn't like a fake stunt like that actually happened no definitely not and i feel like that almost is a bit more of a mixed martial arts move in there um donnie yen has a very popular movie from 2004 called kill zone which is like I think pretty infamous, or at least from what I've read about it, pretty infamous for being one of the movies that introduced a lot of mixed martial arts aspects. So arm bars and locks, you see at the end of the movie too, Donnie Yen gets him in an arm bar and breaks his arm, like a little bit more practical fighting techniques rather than just like grandiose, you know, um, grandiose fighting techniques, I guess, from like the Bruce Lee era or the Jackie Chan era, which I do appreciate and I like. Yeah. Um, is that the is that the same film that's known for like a really sick knife fight scene too or is no. that a different or is that flashpoint i think like, i feel like it's one of one of those two might be flashpoint let me let me look up the the posters like this one kill zone i'm pretty sure is the one that's famous for um pretty famous for mixed martial arts and Flashpoints. When did Flashpoint come? It's like 07. 07? Flashpoints. I feel like Flashpoint might be the one that's in the. I want pictures, you know, so I can like look through it yeah. and tell you accurately. Flashpoint. Um, no, Flashpoint is the one. That has the mixed martial arts in it, and Kill Zone is the one with the knife fight. Got it. Okay. Back backwards, but so anyways, we're we're getting a little off topic there. But I do like Donnie Yen's fighting in a lot of movies because of that, some sort of the realism in there. However, I will say that that grittiness, that realness, is not necessarily why you want to watch real uh, movie fights. You know, movie fights are almost like the yeah, I don't know the masculine equivalent to choreographed dance yeah ballet or choreographed dance you know and anyone who's who tries to convince you otherwise that it's something else is fooling themselves as well yes these guys can probably fight i don't want to pick a fight with jackie chan (laughs) but but it's really more of a dance like jackie chan was part of uh i think royal gymnastics or royal ballet like it's a lot of a dance Mm -hmm. sort of thing and Interesting, I want to move into the story a little bit of Raging Fire, but I do find that I can let go of story elements or I can I can simplify a story if there's other parts of the movie that are done to the 11th like degree, you know, right. So John Wick about a dog getting killed. Yeah, okay, it's a very weak story, but the amount of work that goes into those fights and how beautiful they look and how choreographed they are. And just the sound editing and the the sound editing, the editing, and just the the sheer work from all the actors to put on such a choreographed dance pay, pays off. And honestly, I almost like the fact that the story is so simplified next to so much work put into the other aspects of the movie. Similarly, well, even like the the world building, like if the main point of John Wick was to build that 
world like that was the plot then i don't think it would work that well because that would be so much things you'd have to throw in people's faces yeah. you don't have to <clears throat> they make it pretty simple and straightforward but at, at the same time though making it about a dog that his dead wife gifted him and then it, you know then it dying and going out for revenge that maybe it may sound simple but it, honestly it's one of those things where it's like it's enough to to drive to drive me into wanting to watch it and it's kind of like the big lebowski like technically the main idea of that movie is these guys found the wrong guy piss on his rug the guy just wants a new rug and he's thrown into this whole bit this whole world that he's got no part in and doesn't want to be a part of it and he's just trying to get a new rug just like john wick all he's trying to do is get revenge for people who killed his dog yeah i agree i mean i see the parallels there of like the simplicity in the story i'd argue that the theme for the Coen brothers though, is more that the point is that there's no point and that they play with that idea. And John Wick is let's not get bogged down in the plot. Let's make the plot simple because the truth is action fans don't care. Like yeah. people that we don't care. Like we don't need this, the grandiose story. Um, other examples of that honestly are like the films coming out of Indonesia right now. I love those movies like the raid. Oh, um, amazing film and you don't it's a simple story it's so simple so it's one location one location it's just such as such a well-crafted story to to show some badassery yeah and this movie if we're going from the editing technique which is you know it's a bit more choppy and kind of difficult to get your bearings on the fights and how they're progressing in each scene the story to me like the narrative was it had good themes it was a solid story. I don't know if it was strong enough, though, to make up for the lack of, I don't know, mastery in another, another area of the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree. You know, I think, I think that this movie could have been, like, at least a half hour shorter. Absolutely. It could have yeah. been a half hour shorter. And, like, generally, it was, it was an interesting plot. Like, the the fact that this group of cops they um they killed someone that was a criminal but they weren't supposed to kill him because they had no reason to they got the information they needed out of him they just decided to go with it because i don't know temptation and just maybe they were crooked all along um and then basically once they get out of prison just taking revenge on those exact cops those those people in their force who essentially ratted them out in court mm -hmm. um it's kind of it's one of those things where it's like kind of ridiculous that you're gonna go get revenge on people who literally like under oath told the truth about what happened and thinking that they screwed you over because like you know not everyone's one not everyone's a dirty cop and two like you did actually like kill someone so like it's a little over the top with the fact that like they're going like out of prison. They're going this hard, committing all these crazy crimes and trying to like kill everyone under the sun. So I guess like what we're trying to get at here is like finding the qualities of this movie that made it good and the qualities of the movie that could have been better. Like where where does the strength of this movie lie? Where does its downsides lie? I try in film analysis not to get too bogged down by plot holes. But I agree with you. The story itself was okay. The theme really at the end of the day was just their gray areas, which, okay, I get it. Like that's a, a good theme, but I didn't find a deeper 
point to that. So for me, it, this movie wasn't about the story. It's an action movie. It has to be something more, right? It's, nobody's watching Die Hard and thinking again, like it's the story that's so great. Like it's, it's all these combinations that working together that make it so great. Um, and like you just said, like the story seems a little ridiculous. The other thing that I, I thought of as well is it's, they killed him, but he was resisting arrest and fighting an officer. So it's just also a little strange to me, you know, um, he, he's biting this guy's side and not letting go. And like, they're well, warning yeah, him to let go, true. you know, like, it, I don't know. So it wasn't the real, the, really the story that made it for me or the, uh, or the fighting things, unfortunately, or the, the fighting scenes, unfortunately, I wanted there to actually, there weren't many of them. No, there weren't. It was kind of strange. It was a little weird. I thought like going into it, I expected a bit more. I was, I'm confused as to what this movie was trying to be. I guess I'm trying, uh, what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, what was and, it trying to be good at? Or what was it trying to emulate? And maybe all it was doing was simply trying to emulate like a classic um, good cop, bad cop movie. Yeah, maybe. Maybe bringing it back to the roots. Again, this is like a, a solid film. It's a solid movie that you can watch and probably a lot of people would enjoy if they're a fan of the action genre. At first, I thought it might be trying to be a response to all the great movies coming out of Indonesia right now. Like the night yeah. comes, the night comes for us, I think was another one, a yeah, Netflix movie. And that was awesome. Really great film. Um, There's a, who, who is the, who's the star of that one and the raid? Um, yeah. He's also in Nito. a show on TV, uh, a TV show on Netflix called, I think, Woo Netflix show. I was going to say, I, I it was either a show or he's in like an, an upcoming like uh, action movie. Woo Assassins is the TV show. And then the upcoming action movie, they made a movie out of it. Uh, oh, Fiscal okay. of Vengeance. Yeah, so that's, was, that's what I'm thinking. of. I was going to watch it, but I think I'm going to do the I think I'm going to do. Um, the TV show first. Eco Uwe's. I think his name is Eco. Yeah, Eco. Um, oh, yeah. Iku, Iku Owe's. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. What? He's fantastic. Yeah, he really is. I was, I was saying. I feel, this I feel bad for him, with the exception of like the raid and like a handful of these like Netflix movies. He's kind of been in a lot of shit movies, and like yeah. he doesn't deserve that because he's just he's just such a big talent and yeah, he does. such a honestly like a gifted fighter and just stuntman. That he sh he's got to get like the same sort of um, roles and just movies that like Chan was getting back in the day. Yeah, I, I have a couple points on this that are going to detract a bit from Raging Fire. However, our new theme this season is doing one movie reviews instead of doing a bunch of movies, just because Brian and I are very busy with film production. So I think we have time to kind of go off on tangents a bit. I first when I turned on Raging Fire, I thought it was trying to be a response to the Indonesian films, like these amazing Indonesian films are coming out. But the truth is, if, that, if they did try to do that, then I think they didn't do it well because the Indonesian films are, they have good stories, like strong enough stories that like they're enter entertaining and interesting. So you stay engaged, like uh, The Night Comes For Us, I think is like a gangster revenge film. And the yep. raid is just 
like cops locked in a building, Judge Dredd, uh, you know, kind of the same style of story. And what I was thinking about, this is just an interesting thought. I thought we could talk about it for a second is those guys put so much emphasis on eccentric characters because Indonesia is actually quite a diverse place. So you get these like interesting characters in all these movies. There's like in The Night Comes First, this like crazy blonde girl because it's close to Australia too. So you mm-hmm. get a little bit of that Western vibe in there and then this uh, South Asian vibe and also like, you know, just so many different perspectives on characters in this these films that you start to get these cool caricatures in them. And I was thinking to myself, it's almost like Tarantino films. If Tarantino was a stunt choreographer instead of a good writer like if tarantino put no, not a lot of effort into his writing but only a lot of effort into his choreography and his stunt choreography that's kind of what like these like trail of indonesian films start to remind me of yeah i totally see that right yeah it's a good comparison i yeah and i i like that because if i'm honest like you know i'm a big fan of tarantino um a diehard fan one would say but i'm not a huge fan of his kill bill movies those are like my least favorite movies of his because i feel like they're essentially a western interpretation of with their source material and the source material is always better um and so i like these indonesian films so much because they feel that way they feel kind of like what i would have wanted kill bill to be like which it just wasn't you know well i do really like both kill bills but I see. Your I have to give them another watch. I've seen them like four times, but it just every single time I lose interest in them. I, it's the same. It's a weird thing. It's the same feeling I get now with going back to your point about uh, Eco um, needing to get more roles like Chan. I don't really like the Chan Hollywood films anymore. Like when I was a kid, I enjoyed Rush Hour, and you don't like I Rush enjoy- Hour anymore. No, I enjoy it. Like I enjoy it for other reasons, for nostalgia. I enjoy it for the comedy. The same with Shanghai Noon, the same with oh, like classic. Uh, Tuxedo or Medallion or any of those movies that I saw from Chan when I was a child. Uh, because those are, but those are the movies you started with. So like yeah. I enjoy them because of the nostalgia factor. But the, the truth is we now have become huge fans of martial arts films. That's why we kind of wanted to do another martial arts uh, month. Um, uh, backstory on that is Brian and I started our film club just based off doing kung fu movies we saw when we were kids. And the older we got, the more interested we got in the original Hong Kong films from Chan, and they're far superior. They're so much mm-hmm. better than the the Hollywood Chan films because yeah. they don't give them as much time for choreography. There's they they lose that touch of the brilliance of what those movies are trying to do which is give you some really amazing choreographed art. That's the main purpose, you know? And and truly, like, um, you know, maybe in the Hollywood films, the story's a little more, like, fine-tuned, maybe. A lot of the stuff's wacky over the top. Um, But, you know, if it's let's say you grew up watching jackie chan's films from hollywood and and all all you remember is like i love the stunts that he did and i just love the humor in them and thinking that like going to his cantonese films for whatever reason would be any different both are still there and both are extremely elevated like the humor goes far beyond just simplistic uh you know a couple stunts and some funny jokes um characters are hilarious um i think the stunts are way better way more entertaining uh 
he just goes he goes all out uh, on them and um yeah watching i think two years ago I, I did a deeper dive or maybe three years ago i did a deeper dive into like chan's uh china filmography and i there's not one i i didn't like there are yeah. they're either a lot of fun or super cool if not didn't both. we do that didn't we do that together uh we did but i i did it a little bit beforehand too because i watched like the original drunken master from the 70s um, yeah that's a then... fantastic movie if, if anyone hasn't seen that movie honestly it's so it's it shows you the early genius of chan with comedy and action yeah Tru- truly is an amazing movie he looks so it's... different he's so well, he's like young he's he's like 24. bushy hair and he's so young yeah he's 24 um and the 1994 drunken master which is sort of like a sequel reboot it's really weird it's so bizarre um i don't get how those work no cinefix has named that i think in two different of their uh, top 10 lists the best action comedy ever made and i there's so much amazing parts of that movie i mean just the initial concept of you know a fighter who's better at fighting when he's pissed drunk is so great I yep. think it's a real, I think it's actually a real Chinese legend. I think the character is a real character. Um, what is his name? Fei Hong, I think. should Google that actually. But they're great movies. And I don't know. I, I want to go back and, like I said, watch Raging Fire again with limiting my expectations of seeing that from Donnie Yen. Because I know Donnie Yen is that person. I was expecting it from that this movie. And it turned out to be an action movie that just, isn't necessarily my style, unfortunately. Um, we can maybe get into a little bit of our, you know, how our personal feelings about it now, if you want to. Um, yep. but it reminded me of Born, of a sort of Born Quantum of Solace movie. And the older I get, the more I don't actually like action movies like that anymore. I don't. I never really liked Jason Bourne. Die Hard. I've grown out of. I I I tend to find action movies the best when, like we were saying, when they go all in on the action. The action is the main part of the action movie. So give me some, show me the work, show me the dance. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I know what you mean. Um, yeah. I mean, generally I thought the movie was like solid. It was fine. Definitely reminiscent of exactly what you're saying. Like a two thousands, like action sort of special forces type movie like like a born movie or i would even honestly go a little under that i've only seen the first born movie so i don't know them that well but it's very similar to that it keeps i can't think of the name and it's definitely like not that similar to it but the general like vibe and cinematography reminds me of it um it's like i can't remember it's like there's like this author i think it's I want to say John Gershwin, but I don't think that's correct. And he had a bunch of books of his made into movies. Like there's The Firm with Tom Cruise, but there's another movie I'm thinking of uh, with John Cusack and Gene Hackman that I don't know why. I mean, it just like the camera work and the general vibe of it reminds me of it, even though that whole movie is about being in court. It's not even it's not a runaway jury. Yeah, that one, Runaway Jury. Yeah, it reminds me, there's another low. I don't know if it's low budget, but it was definitely not a huge box office hit that it reminded me of called Swordfish with John Travolta and Hugh Jackman. A mm. very, very strange uh, color palette for those movies. 
And I, maybe that also kind of took it away a little bit for me. There's a couple combinations of this movie that I think made it not necessarily my type of movie that I like, but I'm not a fan of that over chromey orange tint in a film. I don't like it. it it's to me, it looks a little one note and like they didn't white balance. And I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it. What do you think of it? Yeah, I, I agree. It's just, it's one of those that, there are some times where like a certain color, a certain tint in a movie in my brain registers. And maybe just because the ones I've seen are like this, like the second I see that, I think like this is not going to be that great or like it's going to take me out of it. Like the color alone will take me out of it for some reason. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what this film did for me. But uh, until the end, like I honestly think that that fight scene between Bongja and Nago were was fantastic. And that's the be- obviously the best part of the movie. But if you wanted to watch it, if you wanted to give it a shot and know, just know that the end has has a pretty good payout because that that scene alone is just it's just sick. And yeah, their choreography absolutely. together is really good. Um, Nicholas Shea has really good like knife fighting technique. And like I said earlier, like Donnie Yen's move off the wall just to like throw down Zay with his, just his legs. It was I, I rewound it. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I got to see that again. I, I got to say, like, if for fans of Donnie Yen, like Brian and I, um, he ain't slowing down. He, I think he's 56 now. And my roommate walked in while I was watching the movie and he goes, Donnie Yen, how old is this movie? He looks great. I was like, this came out this year, like, or last year. And he was like, geez, like Donnie Yen is a amazing, amazing martial arts actor. He's got a little bit of range, too. I mean, we can talk a bit, a bit about the acting in this movie. It ain't anything to write home about, but it's certainly not bad. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to know how difficult production was with um, uh, what, the director's name again, man. I'm so sorry. Benny Chan. Benny Chan's like illness. Yeah. Um, because I noticed that there seemed to be a lot of things in the editing and particularly storytelling style that either felt rushed, expositiony, or patching together things that shouldn't be patched together because you didn't have a patch for it. For instance, um, I find that movies don't really have a lot of B-roll in them between the scenes. I feel like this mm-hmm. is something we used in dilettantes a lot in order to patch together scenes that shouldn't work because we just didn't have the availability to film it. But looking back, that that's a bit infomercially or a little bit like youtube Like actual movies don't have a lot of space in between the scenes they go from scene to scene and seamlessly you know yeah and this movie had at least three or four occasions of straight b-roll to cut between scenes or make scenes work like weird fades in between a single scene so particularly when donnie yen is in the bathroom and he's checking his like looking at his like bruises from his fight it's fading between each cut which i find a little bit weird rather than getting that that to me means that you didn't get cuts that seem to be working together. So you have to fade from cut to cut in order to make them not feel weird, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah, that was odd. It was odd, right? And then they have at least four, three or four times of the skyline shots of of Hong Kong. Those shots look way better than like the rest of the movie. So like it's gotta gotta be stock. Yeah, a stock or a drone. Yeah, stock, but definitely from a drone. But that's weird. You know, that's not actually how movies are told nowadays. I find that that's like 
sometimes in a series, but if it's done overly, if it's overly used, or if there's not a grounding point in the shot, it feels weird. Example is, I will always remember True Detective as being one of the greatest shows uh, from from high school for me. Like watching True Detective season one was amazing. I don't know if you ever saw it. I did. Love you it. did. It's great, right? Now you remember they have a lot of shots of like skyline shots of the scenery, right? Yep. But that's there's a couple of reasons why that works. One, most of the time, the car that Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey are driving are in the shot. So there's a grounding element to the skyline. You know, there's a reason why they're showing it. It's another angle of a quote unquote scene. And because the scenery itself, the landscape is so much a character in the show, it's meant to represent a lot. So it works. Cut to season two. They had a lot of shots of Southern California skylines and it felt weird. It felt too much. It felt like it was one trying to emulate what season one did and also patch together scenes that seemed to just not work together. I kind of got that vibe from this movie. There's a lot of like scenes that felt weirdly stitched together because maybe they didn't work otherwise. And I'm curious how much that was the direction or because they weren't able to actually complete it the way they wanted to because Benny Chan was sick. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. You noticed that too, though, right? Like some I of did. the editing felt a little weird. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of points where like, um, whether it was because like I looked down or, you know, or I was tired and like, you know, got out of focus at one point while watching it where we go from one scene to the next. And I thought the transition was just really bizarre. Like how we yeah. got, like, why are we, why are we here and how we get here? Yeah. And also, I, yeah, man, I don't know. Maybe it's a budgetary concern, but I think like the moments of, of emotional impact that they were trying to put into the audience's head, the motion, the, the emotional impact scenes, right. After the death yeah. of, of, uh, Donnie Yen's partner, Bong's partner. It's weird because it feels really rushed. They're trying to like basically stitch in a relationship to these characters after he's passed away, trying to almost make you realize how tight they were as partners after he's already gone, rather than building yeah. up their, you know, well, mind it's well, the <laughs> funny thing about that though, it's why it's making me laugh. And I took, I, I made a note of this is he dies in the first 25 minutes of the movie and the shots that they show are like weird, like white flash shots from earlier in the movie from literally 10 minutes ago and they're yeah. like trying to make you have these fond memories of how deep rooted their connection is when like we just saw this 10 minutes ago and it's literally one of them just him giving them orders but and like the, how does that embed the relationship any deeper <laughs> this man was barely the, on screen the other one that they do too is they try to get like that backstory of him to go done yeah. quite quickly and they don't even look like they change outfits to show a timely progression of like their friendship they see show one scene so i'm curious to know if that was budgetary concerns if that was rushed shooting schedule if there was a bit of stress because of benny chan's illness because there's so many different ways you could have made that work that sometimes i feel like the movie came off a little bit cheap because of that, I don't want to call it cheap, but it felt a little bit, their story elements felt a little stitched together, weirdly. And it wasn't necessarily my favorite way of telling yeah. a story. You know, yeah, you want, you, if, if you want emotional impact in a, in a character, stitching it after their death is, I don't know, doesn't seem like the way to do that to me. Like even in John Wick, there's so much more emotional weight to the dog just by having him spend quality time with the dog and realizing what that dog represents 
that when right. it dies, you're like, it's, it, it's so interesting because what I love about that is they build up the emotional and significance of this, of this dog, like essentially John's wife saying, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Like you need something to focus on. And I know if you do, you'll be okay. And he spends quality time with it. He doesn't know how to treat it right, but he becomes really close with it and is able to, you know, form a bond in like roughly like 10 to 15 minutes. They do a great job. Yeah. Um, and then they kill the dog extremely nonchalant, like very, like very much just a one shot dog dead. No big deal. Move on to beating John guy, steal his car. And John's obviously upset by it, you know, but they don't linger on that. And that makes right. it more impactful because obviously to the audience, that dog means a lot because we know the backstory, but to criminals, it's just a dog. It's just yeah. a dog. doesn't matter. And so that's kind of the reverse of this, right? Where they try to add in those moments of significance with the partner after he's already gone. And that's just a bit too late, I feel, for the audience to make an emotional connection. Well, the other thing, too, is like the. Um... Was I guess he was his partner. I thought he was like the chief or something. But regardless, Bonge's colleague who dies early. Um like we his death technically yeah, yeah, like yes, it's it's sad and it has an impact on the the force and on Donnie N's character. However, it doesn't drive the plot for like doesn't make like donnie and like pissed off and like want to take revenge on everybody or any you know something like what john wick does so mm-hmm. it was just kind of like filling time for a movie that didn't need time filled and when they do it again for nago we already know the backstory and the relationship between the two from all the other flashbacks that adding that in doesn't doesn't do anything other than remind you of what you already knew mm-hmm. So it just, it just I, falls flat. There's no, there's really not, I didn't feel emotional watching any of those parts because like, it just, it didn't do anything for me. It's kind of derivative. Yeah. Yeah. I maintain, <clears throat> I maintain my opinion that you, this movie could have been its direct flaw. It's direct thing that made me not like it was the editing. I feel like a lot of the editing could have been done better and yeah. perhaps Perhaps they had to stitch scenes together because of difficulties. But if not, I'm not going to lie to you, man. Some of the editing made me feel like it was really done cheaply. Like almost at like the level of what we did four years ago. I could see similarities. Like I said, like stitching scenes together because it's the only way you could do it. Instead of actually planning out every scene to make them actually connect in a very good way. It's very interesting. I don't know. I feel like with a be- with better editing, it would have been a much better film. Yeah, I I agree. I don't know what the budget was, <clears throat> but oh, it's, it's, it its box office was two hundred twenty five million in the U S. Two hundred twenty five million in pretty, the U S. Yeah, which is pretty, or at least in U S. dollars. But it says box office U S. two hundred twenty five million. Oh, which, that's not that's not the U S. Then that's definitely including that's definitely including. Um, just just overall overall in China, and i think in china majority One. let's see box office um it grossed 225 million worldwide okay combining its gross from hong kong 3.3 million china 368k in north america 
Yeah, so not crazy. And 221.2 million in the entirety of China. Um, Australia, 54,000, New Zealand, 2,000, and Taiwan, 172,000. So yeah, it's mainly Chinese draw. Hong that, Kong and Chinese. That makes com- way more sense. I was going to say like, holy shit, like this movie wasn't even like promoted in the US. No. How did it do that great? No, it's honestly, it's, I mean, you know how much uh, China impacts box office and how that yeah. affects how movies here are even made. Do you yeah. remember that apology from John Cena? for recognizing i think taiwan is a separate nation for Mm -hmm. the suicide squad movie coming out china's a massive box office draw like it's massive so yeah that's why you get a lot of those weird movies too where you have like an american actor or a western actor in some sort of you can clearly tell like like asian i get predominantly probably chinese hybrid like great wall with matt damon (laughs) Or um, that Nicolas Cage movie, um, The Prisoners, Prisoners of the Ghostland. Ghost yeah. Dude, that, have you watched that yet? Yeah, I did. That was the weirdest, one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. I'm not going to lie to you. I really hated it. Yeah. It's not I great. Really, I really, I, I turned it off. I didn't finish it because it was so unbelievably boring. I honestly was infatuated by the fact that this movie had like Mad Max meets um, the good, the bad, the ugly meets um, like a sam- like seven samurais. <laughs> I feel, yeah, but it takes way too long to take off. Way I know, too long. but it's, it's just so the, slow. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not praising it by any means. It's just wild that that concept exists. Yeah, well, I mean, like, props to the director for having the vision to do something so insane. Well, he's I, known he's known to be a pretty eccentric director and pretty yeah. wild with his ideas. I do maintain my opinion that wild and crazy does not always make great. No. You know, monkey at a typewriter type of thing. Like, maybe one day you'll hit perfect or just the perfect amount of strange, but not a guarantee. And sometimes weird movies are just weird. Yeah, I agree. And that was that was definitely weird. This one, this one, just, I don't know. Just run of the mill. Run of the mill. Nothing yeah. crazy. One well, I like- one thing I liked. I forgot to bring this up though. Uh, that I noticed is the only time that you see. Um, well, I guess that no, that's worded wrong. I should say when we see the criminals hang out in their base and drinking beer, they're drinking Budweiser, an American product. <laughs> I was like, is are they trying to Budweiser sponsors this movie? I was gonna ask one, does Budweiser sponsor this movie? And two, because they're not like on display, but like knowing Budweiser, I know a bottle of it when I see it. Mm -hmm. Um either that or is this movie trying to paint the picture that only real dirty criminals in Hong Kong drink American imported (laughs) beers? (laughs) I didn't I didn't actually even notice it. I would say I really like our, our this structure of us just talking about the movie's aspects and what's good and bad about it. And I think now we can kind of circle around a bit more to whether or not we would recommend it, not recommend it as a film to watch. It's a bit more structured, I guess. One thing that I asked, but we never got around to it, was you talked about your favorite action sequence or scene in this movie. But I also asked what was your least or thought was just the worst action part of the movie. 
Uh, well, my least favorite part of the whole movie was probably the flashback 25 minutes in during the funeral for the the cop just because it was a waste of my time. But action-wise, uh, honestly, I kind of thought most of the beginning of that bust gone wrong for the Vietnamese drug dealer, I didn't think was super great. It was kind of weak. Like certain yeah, parts it of it weak. were good. Um, like when you, I guess when, when that cop dies, like that, that whole part was good. And then he realizes like the, the, the face reveal means nothing to you at the time, but like, you know, that he knows them that, that part of it's good, but leading up to it was just kind of odd. It was very like explosive, but that didn't do a whole lot of damage type deal. I agree. Um, yeah, you know my opinions on this as well, so we can get into how we felt about the film. My, personally, the part that I thought was just really bad, bad editing, um, I can give you a comparison, was the scene where Donnie's in the car and he's about to hit that kid and he jumps out of the car, grabs the kid, jumps up on the other car and then falls onto the car that he was in. During oh. the chase scene, oh. during the motorcycle and the chase scene, oh yeah, that was that was done with CGI. It had oh about my god, five yeah. five to six cuts just like in the shots itself, stitching it together in order to get this idea of okay, he gets out of the car, he grabs the kid, he jumps up on top of the car, and then he uh, saves the kid. But you have to use so much of your imagination in order to visualize exactly what happened in that moment that just as an example now, you forgot about that moment. I did. And, you know, I've seen a lot of Jackie Chan movies. This is actually a, a Hollywood Jackie Chan movie where I've seen him do this, where the car's coming and he's got to climb the wall, scale the wall and jump over and land on to the top of the car in a single or maybe two uh, different cuts because it gives you a better idea. This was done terribly and I think should have actually just been taken out of the movie. It was so yeah. like messily put together. It reminded me of truly the quality difference of, did you remember Dark Knight? Who doesn't remember Dark Knight? Of course. One of the most amazing practical effects, uh, practical stunts in the Dark Knight was the truck flip, the mm -hmm. big rig truck flip. That's all real. Like they actually flipped the big rig truck and truck like that. Yeah. And I remember bringing that up to my dad and my dad goes, well, it's not the first time they've done that. Go watch Terminator 3. By the way, my dad, his movie tastes, it's a whole other conversation. We've had this we, talk. We need before. his input on the podcast. Oh, I'd love to have him on. He's a super interesting guy to talk to about movies. But he loves, I think he loves Terminator 3 or thinks Terminator 3 is a good movie. I disagree. I think Terminator 3 is horrible. Uh, as a kid, it was good. And then as I got older, I realized like a Terminator who can enlarge its breasts just didn't seem like the type of movie I'd want to be watching. Arnold Schwarzenegger walking into a male strip bar and wearing like leather and then star glasses is not the Terminator I want to see. But they do a truck flip in that movie. And he brought it up to me after The Dark Knight. And he said, well, it's not the first time. Go watch The Dark. Uh, go watch Terminator 3. You'll see a truck flip. And I went back and I watched it. And it's completely digital. They're, oh, my they, God. It's completely fake. And it's so obviously fake. And it's so bad. It's just so, so bad. And it kind of, 
it makes me think like, well, yeah, okay. It's not like a revolutionary idea. Let's have a truck do a somersault. But the fact that they do it practically is what makes it amazing. It's the same. It's an analogy or it's the same for this movie for me. That stunt is just so bad if you can't do it legitimately. And I've seen it done legitimately or versions thereof, versions of it that are just so much more enjoyable. And watching in this movie, it, that was the moment in this movie where I thought, okay, this is not really the movie for me. I, yeah, I kind of blacked out the awful CGI until you brought it up. I just, I'm envisioning now just that one cut of like the explosion and you see like the front of the van or like the car, like going it towards like really close to the camera. And it's completely like, it looked like and it came quick, out of a PlayStation yeah, game. And quick cut of Donnie coming out of the car. And then like, you know, this is an interesting, this is a larger, interesting conversation. Sorry, the dog just got up. Sorry, folks at home. This is a bigger conversation that we might want to dedicate an entire episode to about um, CGI and practical effects and like the happy medium and why certain movies outlast other movies because they're not trying to do um, more than what's actually possible from its budget. You know, we talked a lot about this. I would love to do an episode on, on, on it's nothing. We've talked a lot about, about this. I'm saying it again because of the dog. We've said this a lot. Um, I'd love to do a podcast on Lord of the Rings. It's not revolutionary because so many people love Lord of the Rings, but I'm just watching videos recently about how The Hobbit has actually been outdated already in 10 years. When if you go back mm -hmm. to Lord of the Rings, it hasn't been outdated yet. There's so much in that movie that just can't be outdated because they did it practically. They really yeah. did it. And there's something to be said for that, something that I really love about that. Yeah. Um, honestly, even... Even the same goes for, I would even argue, the sum of. Well, I guess it depends what version you watch. I was going to say the the prequels, I think, for Star Wars, I think their CGI is pretty well done. But then, like, you go through the George Lucas edits, and those are so blatant. I'm, I'm thinking more of the original trilogy CGI edits that he does. But, like, I think the prequels, whether you like them or not, I think they hold up visual effects-wise, too. And it's weird, yeah. like what what it takes to get that done, whether it's just finding the right team or maybe it's the budget. I don't know. But you got I guess it might just be having the right people who can put it together and take the time to make it, or, you know, give it perfection. I don't know if I agree with you on the prequel CGI. I think that it does well for what it needs to be for the movie. And you get away with more because it's all uh, in space and not real stuff, I guess. I think that what I would agree with about the prequels is, and I'm sure you'd find a lot of people who agree with this, there's enough redeeming qualities for me in the prequels to overlook all the things that I think are terrible about them, um, including maybe some parts of the CGI. A lot of the CGI, I do agree, kind of holds up, and I'm quite impressed by that. Um, but they were they were relying on a lot more than just the story or the or the CGI, like part of what makes the prequel still amazing is I don't think you'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find a better lightsaber fight um, yep. in any other of the Star Wars movies than the first, than, than one, two, and three. Like yeah, Maul absolutely. is iconic, Dooku's iconic, and the fight between Obi and Anakin is iconic, you know? Yep. It's, and those are done for the most part, practically with a lot of training. So it goes back to what I was, what we're talking about for, you know, these Jackie Chan movies or even like Dark Knight movies, like practical effects, 
hard work. It pays off. It pays off in movies like this. This one was missing a lot of that for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, so if that's what you're looking for, my final note would be you can skip it. It's not the best Donnie Yen movie. It's, it's a movie. And it is a movie that happens to star him. Yeah. Um, and I, the only thing I would say is for your own interest, if you are interested, just look up the final fight scene if it's even available on YouTube and watch that. And that's about it. Call it a day. Yeah. This movie does have um, surprisingly like really, really high reviews. Like I know rating, like I think it's got like a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes and a hundred percent audience score. Like does. part of me kept thinking, like, am I missing something? But you know, at the same time, I'm not gonna like it just because everyone else likes it. Well, I mean, there's movies on both sides of that that I love and hate, you know. So, but I do tend to filter my movies a little bit through reviews. I mean, who doesn't, especially at the rate of which we watch movies, you kind of have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little shocked at how highly rated this was for what it is. Um, it was definitely not, I don't think it deserves that. I don't think no. it deserves, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I don't yeah, even know. But like, I mean, the IMDB rating is probably on par with what I'd give it, 6.7. Yeah, I would have even given it a little lower. A little lower, but not very much. I, You know what? For seeing Donnie Yen from the ending fight scene, honestly, for that fight scene through the slums, which was decent, decent and getting to see and getting to see ken low return ken low for me at least famous from drunken master i don't know his name in the movie because i don't even think it says it so i just call him the crazy i just call him the crazy foot guy because he's just got that insane foot um leg kicks galore so i'm yeah 6.7 seems like a reasonable rating for all those reasons yeah 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 all right man well Let's, let's leave it at that Let's leave it at that. Uh, do we have any um, recommendations for next uh, for the next movie review? Or not yet? Nothing in. No, not yet. No. We're just All getting right, started. Well, but yeah. if you do want to recommend a movie to us, send us an email at info at karentwins.com. And yeah. we would love to watch whatever you recommend. It be the worst thing you've ever seen or the best thing you've ever seen. We want to watch it and talk yes, about please. it. Yes, please. We, we range from worst to best. Actually, that's the worst thing I've ever seen was Titanic 2. There we go. <laughs> Terrible. All right, man. Yeah. All right. Signing off. Bye. See ya.